0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What Is a Podcast? The podcast that's recording on Sweet Pussy Sad Day, um, which is Saturday. If you aren't familiar, but I'm recording now because I was busy and I've been doing other things, and I've recorded, you know, some YouTube videos, but I haven't got a chance to record the podcast um notes on the podcast there's not that many um there's like two but I have a listener on Spotify from I believe Brazil I looked at my stats I didn't expect anyone to listen on Spotify but there's someone in Brazil who at least listened one time on Spotify so uh shout out to you um I actually did a a project like a video project in school in high school where I was in multi-media The class was multimedia production, and it was for my art credit because I can't draw. And the only other art credit I could do was like actual art drawing or ceramics. And honestly, I probably should have taken ceramics, but multimedia production was what I was taking. And I did a video all about like tourism in Brazil. I've never been to Brazil, but it turned out to be a pretty good video. Um, I might re-upload that if I can find it. To, um, to my YouTube channel I think it would, it would be pretty funny um, I probably have to get permission from All the other people who are in it But I'm the, the main person in it But anyway um, That's note number one Note number two I was considering live streaming The podcast um, Just so I can get it onto YouTube faster Because The uploading pod- process For podcasts it's very quick. Like it doesn't take very long to upload a pure audio file. Even if it's um, like an hour long, it doesn't take long to upload an MP3. It just doesn't. It takes, you know, it doesn't take a second, but it doesn't take very long. When you upload the YouTube video, because you can't upload pure audio to YouTube, there has to be some type of video element. It takes a long time. So even if I'm just putting a picture on there, which I do, it takes a long time. And I feel like live streaming could potentially fix that problem. I've never really live streamed before, um, but I think that could potentially fix the problem. And I have some tea here, so I'm going to be taking sips of that as I usually do. But I'm pretty sure that would fix the problem of, you know, spending like... 40 minutes to an hour waiting for this uh this podcast to upload to youtube instead of doing that i could have the live stream and then just take the the footage of the live stream and keep it up on youtube um but i don't stream and fun fact i was banned from streaming on youtube for a pretty long time like for like i think like six months or something i couldn't stream on youtube because i had made a video about tide pods do you remember Tide Pods when like they had the like the eating Tide Pod meme and everyone was joking about eating pot- Tide Pods? Like I, you know, participated in that meme and I had just started my YouTube channel when this meme was, you know, full force. I had just started the channel and I was uploading just like stupid videos from my phone to YouTube. Like anything that was on my phone that like was taking up space because now I have an iPhone uh, XR, like real fancy, real high quality machinery. But back then I had like the iPhone like 5S and at that time, like people already had like the iPhone like seven and eight. So I was, you know, lagging behind in technology like pretty hard and I didn't have a lot of storage space. So I was just uploading all the videos to YouTube and I didn't figure out like my camera setup or how I was gonna film videos. So I was just like, you know, recording phone videos. And I had the the Tide Pod, because I have Tide Pods in my house. I got a Tide Pod and I said, this is why I eat Tide Pods, because they're healthy, they have calcium, blah, blah, blah. That was basically the the gist of the video. It wasn't even a minute long. And there are dogs barking. I'm gonna try to move away to get farther away from the dogs barking as possible. But anyway, the dogs are extremely agitated. But anyway, when I was doing the the Tide Pod video, it did really well. Like I have not had a video do as well as that Tide Pod video did. But you can't find it anymore because YouTube deleted it Um, because it said it was harmful and it was causing people stress and people were going to die. Um, so YouTube deleted it and they gave me a strike on my channel. And I think the dogs are done barking now, but YouTube deleted it. Oh, nope, one of them is still barking. You know, these dogs are very rambunctious outside. Um, but yeah, YouTube deleted that. And I've talked about this before, but no one really listens because I didn't have an audience But, and I still don't really have a big audience, but when I uploaded the video and it was doing well, it had like a thousand views, all the comments were positive. Like, overwhelmingly positive. This is funny. This is good. I like it. And, you know, I was, you know, happy with it and I was, you know, responding to comments and it was a really good time. And then, once, like, people started thinking that people were actually going to the hospital, Like once the reports came out that people were going to the hospital for Tide Pods, people started coming to my video and literally calling me a murderer. Like they said, because I made this video, a joking video, an an absolute joke, an obvious joke of a video that I eat Tide Pods. I didn't even show my face or I didn't show myself eating the Tide Pods. And when I was doing my research, because my video was getting taken down, I looked at the videos that were still up, and one of them, like, actually ate a Tide Pod. I don't know if that video got deleted or not, the person who actually ate the Tide Pod, but my shit got deleted. And it was like the, the comment section just changed automatically. Like, once, like, this stuff started getting in the news and people were, like, sharing my video on Twitter and other sites, I'm sure... Like, I got, like, 100,000 views before it got taken down. But once I got that video taken down, they took away my right to live stream, which was a weird punishment. But because I got a strike, like, the first strike you get is a ban on live streaming. I don't know what the logic is behind that, but it's a ban on live streaming that was only recently, like, taken off. Like I think in my YouTube career, I haven't been able to live stream longer than I have been able to live stream, if that makes sense. But I do think that like this uploading process to YouTube is like so tedious. And I know that like the longer the video is, the more that needs to be, you know, coded and written and all that stuff. But it just takes so long and it has to, you know, go through my computer. My computer works very, very hard on uploading these podcasts. Um, so I would like it to be a little bit quicker. Um, but the other downside to that is that you can't see me right now. But like, I don't have to dress up for a podcast. Like, why would I dress up? I look like shit right now. Like, I'm wearing dirty ass socks. I'm wearing the shirt that I slept in. I'm wearing, you know, comfortable shorts. Like, I just put on some clothes to be as presentable as possible if someone, like, knocks on the door or something. But I look like shit. My hair isn't done. Um, My teeth are brushed. I did do that. I did brush my teeth. But my hair isn't done. Like, I didn't, like, wash my face yet. I just was, like, I'm comfortable. I'm cozy. And I'm going to record a podcast. And if I live stream, like, I'm not going to live stream and look like shit. (laughs) Like, That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to, if I live stream, I'd have to, um, you know, you know, dress up a little bit, like not like wear like fancy clothes, but be presentable. Like right now, the way I look, I would never film a video the way I look unless it was for some type of comedic effect. And it doesn't have one. So I would have to do that. And I like the comfortableness of a podcast. And I like, you know, that I could just, you know, talk for however long. And then just go from there. Um and if I live stream, I can't do that. Um live streaming also like I don't know exactly how this works because I've never done it, but I know like a big part of live streaming is interacting with the chat and like the people who are commenting in your chat room. At this point, if I live stream, I have 170 subscribers right now as I'm recording. At this point, if I live stream, I don't think there'd be anyone in my chat room. At most it'd be one or two people in my chat room that I would be talking to. But I don't know exactly how the chat room works when you're actually live streaming, if you can actually see it. Cause I think a lot of streamers on Twitch anyway, they have um, like multiple setups so that they can see the their comments. Like some people have it like on their phone or on another monitor or something like that so they can see the the chat room that they, they've curated. And I don't know exactly how that works, but I do know that my chat room wouldn't be um, full right now, which is okay. I'm not saying that I need a chat room to do a live stream. I'm saying that it wouldn't have a lot of that interactive feature in it. Um, And also, like, I personally don't watch live streams that much. Like the reason why I got into podcasts and this is some insight on me is because, like, I couldn't do the, the Twitch thing. Like at first, like I had just got out of college. So this is like three years ago, right? I just got out of college. I had a job um, and the job required me to do a lot of work at home. Like I would go, I worked at a school, I would go to school, I would work at the school, you know, regular time, and then I would get home and I still have to do more work. Like I'd have to, you know, answer students' responses or, or, you know, check emails or create a PowerPoint or lesson plan. I wasn't a teacher, but like, I had to lesson plan, I had to talk to students, I had to do all that type of stuff. Um, but when I did that, like I needed something to distract me. Like I needed some type of noise in the background to distract me. So I thought I would go to Twitch, I would find some Twitch streamers, and I would just like have the Twitch stream on in the background, and then I could go from there. The problem is, is like when you have a live stream on Twitch or anything like that, you can't do anything else. And I'm not trying to knock you if you like streaming, if you, you know frequent Twitch, if you are a streamer, I'm not saying what you're doing is bad. Do you have an audience and all that stuff? I'm saying for me, like I like the fact that I can take the sound of the podcast and I could do other things. Like, if I'm texting a student, because sometimes students, you know, they text you, they email you, they message you on Instagram, all that stuff. um If I'm texting a student, like, I want to be able to still have the podcast or the music in my ears. And I found that live streams on Twitch were just highly inefficient when it came to that. um So I turned to podcasts, and I didn't know much about podcasts. I still don't think I know an incredible amount about podcasts. But I do know that like it's something that, you know, I can listen to in the background. But I don't have to pay extreme close attention to it and I can go from there. But I do like podcasting, but I don't know if I could do the live streaming thing. But I do know that um, like that would be an easier option if I could figure it out. Um, but yeah, that's why I got into podcasts, because I needed to do work and I needed some type of TV noise in the background in the background, but I didn't have a TV in my um my workspace, so I needed something to to supplement that. But yeah, um I also want to say right now as we're in the the first act here, um that podcasting is kind of hard. It's harder than I thought it would be. Like really, like talking is one thing. Like I can talk. I'm talking right now. Um you're more conscious as a podcaster of how your voice sounds. And like, um, how your throat feels like talking straight for an hour. And this might be different if you have like a guest on your podcast or a game or an interview. But when you're talking straight, like I am like solo, like it takes a toll on your voice. And I've realized like, because if you look back at my catalog to the first podcast, they're like 30 minutes long. And then they, you know, slowly but surely got longer And my last podcast was basically an hour, was 59 minutes. On YouTube, it's an hour. Um, And when I look at podcasts that are just starting out, it seems kind of the same way. I don't know if people are talking about it like that on their podcasts, but this podcast is called What is a Podcast? So of course, I'm going to talk about that. But I noticed like even from my very first podcast, like once I got to the 30 minute mark, like my throat started to, you know, kill me. And that's why I have some type of liquid here. And I'm going to take a sip from my liquid to keep my, my vocal cords lubricated. And I think it really is um, like a skill that you have to build up. And I'm not saying that I'm good right now. This is episode 21 out of however many episodes I do of this thing. But it is something that like I couldn't do an hour podcast when I first started. And I don't know how many people actually can, like, physically do an hour podcast, like, as their first podcast if they're just doing it solo. I think that, like, a 30-minute podcast, and I don't really like 30-minute podcasts myself. Like, I don't like Twitch streams that much myself, and or YouTube streams, and I'm talking about doing it. But I didn't really like 30-minute podcasts and I was ending up doing them and I was like, man, I don't want to do the thing that I don't like. But I also have like the, the struggle of like, would I watch my own shit that I make? And a lot of times it's yes, but a lot of times it's also no. Like, um, Like Pokemon content. I love Pokemon content, but I've considered throwing around like top 10 favorites or doing like, you know, top 10 moves that I like. But I don't like watching those videos like I would like to make that because I think it's fun to discuss. But I don't watch those type of videos or like, um, I don't know. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. But (coughs) excuse me. But yeah, it's also just thinking about that type of stuff. But podcasting is harder than I thought it was. It's definitely a skill that you have to build up, especially solo podcasting. Um, and the same thing I feel it's like the same like like even if you try a different type of video, like it's a different skill. Like for me, I did a Pokemon showdown video, which is basically battling Pokemon and um go like explaining your thought process, like doing a competitive Pokemon battle, and I've done, you know, competitive Pokemon battles before, but I never had to explain my thought process out loud. And explaining my thought process out loud while playing is a lot more difficult than I thought it would be because it's a, a, a part of your brain that you don't have practice in. And I do think a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, practice. It's an exercise. I see my YouTube videos now as an exercise. I see the podcast as an exercise just to work my brain and get my thoughts out. Um and I think that it's a it's a positive exercise. It's a great exercise I think for me to have. Um but yeah, that's all. I just you know stuff on my mind about the podcast world that I've delved deeper and deeper into. Um and I spent a lot of time on that. And you know what else I I've spent a lot of time on this week. I have a story for you. It involves being a sugar baby. So, on Twitter, I'm on Twitter daily. As you might be. Um, and on Twitter. I saw. Or I got a follow. From a woman. And the woman DM'd me right away. Like as soon as she followed me. She sent me a DM. And of course. My DM's are open. So I should expect those type of things. Um, Or at least not be surprised when it happens. Right? And this woman. You know. She sends me a message. Just says hello. And. I respond back and I say, hi, Um, just like that. And then the woman, you know, she says, I'm looking for a sugar baby. I'm lonely. I'm 36 and I just want a sugar baby. I'll give you $300 a week, right? For this, for this sugar baby thing. And me, I would, I, I wouldn't seek out this opportunity usually, at least not in a serious manner. But I'm not about to fumble the proverbial bag, right? So if this person is going to give me $300 legitimately, then that's fine. Um, And she's asking me about myself, how old I am, where I live. And I'm not specific from where I live. Like, she said, where you live? I say California. She doesn't know where in California I live or anything like that. She said, how old are you? 24, that's fine. Um, You can know my age, but you're not going to let me know how, or my exact city, you know what I mean? Um, and then ask for my phone number. Now, I don't give her my real phone number. I use a Google uh, Voice phone number because the Google Voice phone number gives you, um like it gives you a fake number, but it still goes to your phone. And you also like, with a Google Voice number, you can't like create accounts. Like you know how like you create an email account or like something that requires your phone number to like verify your identity? Like you can't do that with a Google voice number. So because of that, I gave her a Google voice number um, so that she couldn't, you know, use my information against me or for her own profit, right? Because at this point, I'm thinking like 75% this is fake and I'm in this for the story. So I give her the Google voice number. I also make sure that the area code isn't the same because my area code. Is you know, it's not a common area code. Like if you like locally, yes, everyone knows that what the area code is, but like outside of my sphere, like it's not very well known. It's not like a well known area code. Um, so I gave her a 510 number or I created a 510 number, which is, you know, Oakland, Berkeley, that type of stuff, places where I don't live. Um, so I could give her that number that she could use to text me. So we're texting and she's like, yo, you're ready to do this? I'm like, yes. Again, I'm pretty sure this is fake. Um, But while we're doing this, she said that she was from Maryland, but she's sending me a number. She's texting me from a number that's from New Jersey. Now, I know that I gave her a fake number, right? I know that. But I'm not expecting her to give me a Google voice number as well or a fake number as well. And I'm not good at geography, but I know that Maryland and New Jersey are not next to each other. So, um, or maybe they are. And I just said something incredibly stupid. I actually don't know. But she said she's from Maryland and she sent me a New Jersey number and I'm like, okay, this, it's just seeming more and more fake to me when she says that. Um, but the Twitter that she uses has, you know, a couple pictures of the woman and she... I did, like, reverse uh, Google image image searches for her because, like, just to see if, like, it's a catfish situation, um, Maryland is not next to New Jersey. I just Googled that, by the way. Um, So I did reverse image searches of the pictures that she has on her Twitter, and none of them showed up as, like, someone else, like, that they're using someone else's picture. Um, I looked through Facebook, couldn't find her on Facebook, couldn't find her on Instagram, um, so it might be a real person. I don't know. Um, but so I'm texting back and forth with this, uh, sugar mama. And there's, you know, we're, if, if this is real, I'm down, I'm not gonna say no, if this is real, but I'm thinking it's fake. And she says, okay, I'm ready. You're ready to do this. Let's get to payment, right? I can give you $300 per week which sounds good to me. $300 per week, that's $1,200 a month. $1,200 a month times 12, you do the rest of the math. It's a decent, you know, side gig, you know, and all I have to do is show this person affection um, for a little bit of time. So basically, whenever she's bored, she hits me up, and we go from there. And There's no, like, sex stuff or anything. It's just, you know, words of affirmation. So, yes, I could definitely do this. And she says, okay, what bank do you use? And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And I ask her, like, can you do Venmo? Can you do Cash App? Can you do PayPal? And, like, this woman claims to be 36. And my parents are older than 36. And they know about Venmo and PayPal and Cash App. So I'm assuming that she does, too. But... She was like, yo, I can't do Venmo or PayPal because my bank account isn't supported by those um, apps. And what bank does she use? She says Bank of America, which is the same bank that I use. So it makes no sense to me. She said she has a special account that doesn't authorize, you know, Venmo and PayPal. I don't know if that's true or not, or if that's legitimate or not, but It didn't make sense to me that she couldn't use those apps, but the Bank of America app has a money sending system of its own. So you can send money through Bank of America, like almost like Venmo or Cash App. It's just, you know, you type in their email or the username and then you send them off the money, which is, you know, an easy way to do it. So I'm like, okay, just send me the money through Bank of America. I'll give you my email address and we can go. And then she says, no, I can't do that because of my special account. So then I'm like, well, what do you need? I ask her like, what information do you need from me? And this is what this woman or whoever says. She says, I need your bank account number, your full name, your username and your password. And at this point, I'm like, absolutely fucking not. At this point, I don't care if I, fu- I fumble the bag or not, if this is real or not. I cannot give my bank information to someone I've never met. What? Absolutely not. So I say no. And she's like, you have to do this. Like, you can trust me. No, I can't. I don't know you. Um. So I say no. I say, I cannot do that. There's no way I'm going to give you my bank account information that that's stupid like no one who has any type of protective interests would give their bank email username and password to someone across the country who they never met no one who's protective of all of their money is going to do that so i say no no deal And she says, please, 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 please. She's texting me like late at night. Mind you, she's in either Maryland or New Jersey, which is three hours ahead of where I am. And she's texting me at like 11 p.m. Midnight. So she's texting me late at night, like trying to get my attention. And like she's like half, you know, set up your, your bank account for me. Half I'm lonely. Please talk to me. And again, I'm in this for the story. And the story is not over yet. And we might have something in the future to update on a future podcast. But so I go, I say, no, no, no. I refuse every single time. And then she sends me something about blockchain and Bitcoin. And I know a little bit about Bitcoin, but I don't know a whole lot. And I don't want to get tied up in anything um, nefarious or lose any money from bitcoin but i think she's trying to send me bitcoin and if that's the case then yes i am all for this because if you can send me bitcoin and i can just transfer that to my actual bank account then yes i'll do that that's fine send me it on the blockchain i don't care um but if it's something else and she wants my information or anything like that then it's no but I don't know if I fumbled the bag or not, or not, or if this is real or fake. But what I do know is that you should not give your password to people. And the next time you hear from me, a woman might be giving me $300 a week. Um, And, you know, I'd be down. I'd be down. There's no, as far as I can tell, no sex stuff involved. So, yeah, I'd be down for that at all costs. Um, Yeah, that'd be great. (sighs) Anyway. Enough about that. We have to talk about Aladdin. Specifically, Naomi Scott. Because I don't know if you heard the discourse around Aladdin. And the same or similar discourse is starting around Lion King as well. um, Where it's... um, You know, people are saying these Disney remakes are going to be bad. And that they, they hate that Disney is doing these remakes. Blah, 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 blah. Right? And then... The discourse around Aladdin changed, and it focused a lot on Naomi Scott. This was like, probably when the casting was first announced, people were mad that Naomi Scott was um, Princess Jasmine. She plays Princess Jasmine in the movie. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that she was Indian, not Arab, number one. And number two, that she had no light skin. And Jasmine had dark skin. And I had my disagreements about this. Mostly the history of, you know, how do I say this? Multi-ethnic and transnational communities. Or like the history of multi-ethnic and transnational communities. And also, one of my complaints was that um, people were mad that Naomi Scott was an Indian playing Jasmine. Even though agrabah is fake multi-ethnic and transnational communities have existed for a long time particularly in that region and they were saying that naomi scott is indian but then suggesting other indian actors and actresses to play aladdin and jasmine so i just had a couple issues with that and I saw Aladdin, I enjoyed it. I reviewed it on YouTube, ended up talking about it for way too fucking long. I talked about it for 30 minutes when I probably intended when I started making that video to go for about 15, Um, but I ended up talking for 30 minutes about that. And I didn't edit it down because I didn't care that much. Um, And I was thinking about like, what would the outrage have been? Would there have been any outrage if, and this is a big if, If Naomi Scott, who's half Indian, half white, if she had like a more Indian last name, because Scott, of course, is not an Indian last name. And if she had something Indian, I don't want to be like stereotypically Indian. So I don't want to give her a last name. But I do want to um, like think like if she had an Indian, if she was Naomi, insert Indian last name here um or maybe I will give her a li- last name. Say I have a friend whose last name is Agarwal. So let's say her name was Naomi Agarwal. A G A R W A L, right? That's an Indian last name of one of my friends. And say that was her name, would there have been any backlash? I don't think there would have been as much backlash. Um and also Naomi Scott is literally the best. <laughs> um and I, th- I didn't realize that because I knew Naomi Scott was in Power Rangers, right? I didn't watch Power Rangers. I wasn't a fan of Power Rangers growing up. So I didn't really care to watch the Power Rangers movie. Like Power Rangers doesn't have that effect on me as it does, you know, other people. I didn't like it growing up. I remember seeing Power Rangers as a kid and thinking that it is bad. Um, but maybe I'll go watch a Power Rangers movie now because Naomi Scott is the best part of the Aladdin movie, for sure. And Aladdin, highly enjoyable, despite what all the fucking nerds on Twitter said. Highly enjoyable film. And then I learned that she's going to be in Charlie's Angels shortly after I watch Aladdin. And like just to think, Naomi Scott was the Pink Power Ranger, Princess Jasmine, and the Charlie's Angel, all in a short amount of time. And Naomi Scott is, like, very young. She's, like, 26, 27. That's an elite resume for a young actress. Is it not? Power Ranger is an iconic character. Even if I'm not a fan of Power Rangers, iconic character. Princess Jasmine, iconic character. Charlie's Angel is an iconic character. Um, So, like, as a young actor or actress, this is an elite resume. Like, I don't see how anyone can talk shit about Naomi Scott. And she if she keeps on this path she's only going to get better and better right i think now like i know late like, naomi scott was in lemonade mouth which was a disney movie um but i think now like to solidify naomi scott even further than i think she's already solidified herself like i think by the end of this year cuz i think that um charlie's angels comes out later in 2019 so by the end of this year right Like, Naomi Scott could be, like, a powerhouse in Hollywood, and I think her, I don't know, like, actors typically have things in the works that they can't even talk about, but let's say Naomi Scott, her next role after Charlie's Angels is something, like, original, not a remake. It's something original, like, an original script or whatever, because Charlie's Angels a remake. Everything else that she's done, like, mainstream, except for, like, Lemonade Mouth has been, like, a remake, Right? Then, I think that you cannot deny the star power of Naomi Scott. Like Naomi Scott might be the best actress or like a top five actress under thirty. I think by the end of this year, like I don't see how you can deny it after three powerhouse roles like consecutively, and you no, know, she's probably going to get casted in more stuff now, especially since Princess Jasmine was the best part of Aladdin. I. Again, I can't speak to her performance on Power Rangers because I haven't watched that, but I would bet that it's good and Naomi Scott can sing her fucking ass off too. So I don't see how the power of Naomi Scott can be denied any longer, cast her in whatever the fuck you want at this point. I don't think there will be any backlash towards that. Um, And Aladdin as a whole was good. The other actor, Mina Masud, who played Aladdin was good. Um, I also noticed, like, as I was doing like my pre um, hyping up for Aladdin, like getting like, you know, seeing who the actors are and all that stuff. A lot of pictures, like on the press tour for Aladdin, between Naomi Scott and Mina Masood, like they look like they're actually dating. Like, oh, <laughs> like of course, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine they get married in the movie, but they look like on Instagram, Naomi and Mina look like they're actually fucking dating. And I was like, oh, this is like a Troy and Gabriella situation. And then I learned that Naomi Scott is already married to a professional soccer player in England. And I was like, oh, okay. This is like just press stuff. They're better actors than I thought. But for Naomi Scott, I was just like, man, I want to be Naomi Scott's friend, right? And I feel that way about a lot of actresses. I felt that way about... Amelia Clark, I feel that way about Lupita Nyong'o, I feel that way about Natalie Morales, uh, Sophie Turner, um, Tessa Thompson. Like all those people like you want to just be their friend. Like they seem like like the coolest people you'll ever meet in your life. That's the energy that Naomi Scott gives off. Um, and she's, you know, British, which is you no know, fun. And I also like British women, like they call people babes and mates. Which is always fun, like I want a British friend that so she can call me babes and mate. Like that's what I want. a British woman to call me babes and mate. As far as I know, mate just means you're a friend, and babes isn't like a romantic thing. It's just like a fun thing. So if a British woman could call me babes and or mate, that would be dope. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just Naomi Scott cannot be fucking denied. And it makes me think of another time when I had, when I was in college, I had this feeling a lot like Naomi Scott has that. I want you to be my friend capacity in her. And I feel like I just want to be friends with attractive people. Like, of course, like, you know, I want to date attractive people also, but I just want to be friends with attractive people. Like, I remember this time in college. I have water too. I don't just have tea. I just took a drink of water. But when I was in college, I had um, like towards the end of my uh, graduation or towards the end of my time in college, I had this class called philosophy of language. And I haven't taken a philosophy class before. Like I never took a philosophy class ever in college until like I was almost done. And philosophy of language, it was a required class. I had to take it to graduate. And the classroom is like very small. There's like maybe 30 people in the classroom. And I get in there, and I see this attractive girl sitting in the back. And I typically sit in the back anyway, so I was fine, you know, sitting in the back. So I see this attractive girl, I seat next to her, and I go and sit next to the attractive girl. And I didn't say anything to her. I was just like, if this person who looks cool and is attractive can be my friend, that'd be dope, right? And then... Like, say it's two weeks in the class, right? About two weeks. And we're sitting in the same spots. So, you know, we have our unassigned assigned seat. And two weeks in the philosophy class, I have no idea what the fuck is going on in philosophy class. Like, he's like, the teacher is talking about philosophy, and I just, I don't know anything. Like, I don't can, I consider myself to be smart and like somewhat intellectual, but I could not grasp. Anything that he was fucking saying, right? And at this point, because I majored in linguistics, I had taken, like, some neuroscience-type classes, some, like, psychology-in-linguistics-type classes, semantics-type classes, all of which, like, kind of related to the philosophy of language, but the teacher I had hadn't taught philosophy of language in a while, and I don't think his grasp on it was as fresh as it could have been. And... Yeah, I just, I didn't understand anything in that fucking class, right? So this girl who I've been sitting next to, who I would say is very attractive, she talks to me and we haven't talked to each other for like the first two or three classes, right? And this class happens like twice a week or so. So we go to class and we leave and then she, you know, she taps me on the shoulder and she's like, hey. Do you understand anything that's happening in this class? And part of me wanted to say like, yeah, and be smart and impress her. But I didn't do that. I said, absolutely fucking not. I don't understand anything that's going on in this class. And I felt like that built our like school relationship. It just started to build it more and more. We haven't talked since. But it was like, that's the type of feeling I got seeing like people like Amelia Clark, like Naomi Scott, like Natalie Morales, like Tessa Thompson. I get that I want to be that friend vibe. And I think I just want to be friends with attractive people. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I just want to be friends. Um, And of course, you know, date, but friends also. Um, The friend zone isn't as bad as you think it is. But um, yeah, that's basically what I have there. I also wanted to talk about sports because sports are happening. Um, The first sports story that I want to talk about. Um, there's a kid, and I have to google his name because I forgot, but there's a top prospect in baseball um, going to Japan to pitch straight out of high school. Um, and there's his name is Carter Stewart. Carter Stewart is an American kid. He plays baseball, he's a pitcher and instead of going to um, college or going to the minor leagues gonna go straight to Japan and he's going to play baseball in Japan and he can be eligible to come to Major League Baseball in America when he's 25 years old currently he's 19 years old and I think that this is this might cause baseball to change if it goes well as I take a sip of water here because think about it the minor leagues is not where you want to be. No one's goal going into the league is to stay in minor leagues. Yes, minor leagues is professional baseball, but the goal of minor leagues is to make it to the big leagues one day, right? And most people, like, they spend a year or two or three um, top prospects, people who went to college don't spend that long in minor leagues anymore. But some people, you know, grind it out in the minor leagues for like, three four five six years so you know it's a grind and you don't get paid major league money so from a financial standpoint going to japan is better than um going to america from financial standpoint of course this is a 19 year old going head up against 25 26 36 year old men who are more experienced than him and will could potentially light him up in the Nippon League, which is uh, the Japanese league. But I think it's an interesting concept because we've seen this before in basketball. Like players like Brandon Jennings, like Emmanuel Moutier, um, There's a guy now, I think his name is like RJ Hampton, I believe. Who, instead of going to college for a year or going to the NBA G League, they go overseas, play professionally, get paid. And then they come to America to play in the NBA. Um, Cause that's you know still their dream. They just don't want to deal with an oppressive system like the NCAA, or to a another extent, minor league baseball can be a oppressive system for some kids. And I think that it's you know, like if you go to Japan. I don't think that he'll have a great rookie year as a 19-year-old going up against guys who are you know, playing in Japan professionally. And the Japanese league is a different style than American baseball in a lot of ways. I don't know how good he'll be in Japan, but if he is good and he comes to America, then he beat the system. Of course, it's also like you have to move to a different country. But in baseball, people move to different countries all the fucking time. They're just not American. Like, if you think about it, a lot of players in baseball, the rule is, for foreign players, they can sign to a major league organization when they're 16 years old. So a kid in the Dominican Republic, in Korea, in Venezuela, in Canada, they can sign to a team as a 16-year-old. Of course, they go to the minor leagues and develop more, but they can sign as a 16-year-old, right? So... They can move to America as a 16-year-old and, you know, develop in American baseball. And, of course, Major League Baseball has foreign-born players all over the place. A lot of the league is from Dominican Republic or Latin America. We have more and more players coming from Japan, Korea. We have more and more players from other countries like Canada also, Australia. There's a couple Australians have been in the league. So people move... All the time to different places. And they're expanding to. You know Africa. Um, I remember they had an effort to get. American baseball or baseball into India. But cricket is still king. In India as far as I know. Um, But really. Like it's an interesting concept. Because Americans. In the discourse around Americans. Is sometimes like babying us. Like we expect. A Dominican kid. To you know sign at 16. You know, play in the MLB and be great in the MLB, and then we say, "Oh, I don't know if this 19-year-old American can hack it in Japan." Like this is—it's almost the same situation, and it seems like we're babying those American kids. And this American kid in particular, he could have secured the the biggest bag because he doesn't have to go through minor league baseball or college. So he could be, you know. He could have beat the system entirely, assuming he does well in Japan, because Major League Baseball, it's like the draft process process for Major League Baseball is not guaranteed in the slightest. Because like when you draft a guy, like even like recently, like people like Brady Aiken, like Mark Appel, um people who are drafted number one, you might not have heard of them because they didn't pan out, and they were drafted very very high. Um, it's a crapshoot in Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball has, like, 50 rounds of drafts. Like, they draft football players. Like, no one's ever guaranteed. So if he gets guaranteed money in Japan, go for it, I say. Um, And maybe they'll fix the minor league system so that they'll get paid um, more equitably. Um, And not to be a nationalist about baseball. I don't want to be a nationalist about baseball. So the, the last point on this is that, like, We have a lot of American baseball players, right? We play in America. There's a lot of American baseball players who are very, very good, right? And a lot of people are making the argument that the best prospects are foreign-born. We had Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's Canadian-Dominican, right? We have Shohei Hotani, who's Japanese. We have a lot of player Eloy Jimenez. You know, all these players from Latin America are from other countries, who are the top prospects and people are somehow saying that that's a problem that we're not developing American players. I do think we need to keep interests in America in the sport, right? We do need to keep, to keep baseball growing. We need to keep interest in America, but talking about the top prospects being from foreign countries, like is a problem. It rubs me the wrong way. And like, I don't want to be a nationalist about baseball prospects And sometimes it seems like people are, and I try not to be that way. Um, Just because they're foreign-born and they're better than an American kid at the same age doesn't mean that that's a problem, necessarily. Um, And a lot of times, they put academies in these foreign countries and just have them play baseball all the time. So that's why they're better. But um, yeah. And also, college softball. Highly entertaining. I suggest you watch it. Um, that's just a plug for college softball because it's fun to watch. And when it comes on on ESPN, give it a chance. It, you might find it to be very fun and very entertaining. I know I find it fun all the time. Um, but anyway, we have to talk about basketball. I don't want to talk too much about the finals, the NBA finals. I'm going to talk about Drake because people say that Drake is an elite troll and he is trolling to an extent. Like when he did the when the Raptors played the Bucks, right? And they said that the owner's daughter had a Pusha T T-shirt on, right? The owner's daughter, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, who is very her his daughter, very attractive. I'd like her to be my friend too. But um, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks' daughter had a Pusha T T-shirt because Pusha and Drake had beef, right? We all remember that. And then. Drake put her face as his profile picture, and people were saying that it's elite trolling. And I was like, this is not elite trolling at all. It's just trolling. It's not that great of trolling. It's only trolling because Drake has a lot of followers. Other than that, it's not that great of a troll. I thought that people were overrating Drake's trolling abilities, right? And then he comes to Game 1 against the Warriors, wearing Steph Curry's dad's jersey that was signed... On the sidelines because Steph Curry's dad used to play for Toronto Raptors and you know that was better he had a signed Del Curry jersey and I thought that he got that shit custom made but no he didn't and Drake is on like the Raptors payroll like he is an employee of the Toronto Raptors (laughs) and I was like okay he got that shit custom made somehow he got Del Curry to sign it that's not what happened He paid someone who had that Del Curry jersey to give it to him. Because Del Curry, and I don't mean any disrespect to Del Curry, but he was not the superstar that Steph Curry was. right? He definitely taught Steph Curry all that he knows. But Steph Curry has surpassed Del Curry in a lot of aspects in his NBA career. So I wouldn't say that Del Curry... Was on that level where people are just circulating Del Curry Raptors jerseys because he played for them for three years, um, so he managed to find someone on like Craigslist probably to get that jersey, and he's acting a fool on the sidelines. I don't really care about him like that, but I don't think Drake is good as is as good as a troll as we think he is. I know he said he like liked Aisha Curry, Steph Curry's wife's picture on Instagram, like okay, like. People see you. People see what you're doing. But like, I wouldn't say that Drake is an elite troll. I would say that he's just going hard for his team in like a somewhat childlike way. And it definitely is trolling. And some of what he's doing is kind of amusing. Even if I am a Bay Area native and I want the Warriors to win just because they can three-peat. Um, but... I don't think he's an elite troll, and I'm sorry if you think that Drake is an elite troll, but I don't think that he's an elite troll. Um, side note, I wouldn't be too mad if the Raptors won. The Warriors have won a lot, and Warriors fans are going to get slander if the Warriors lose, and they lost game one, but I don't dislike anyone on the Raptors. Like Everyone seems to be a pretty solid person on the Raptors. Like If they won, I wouldn't be too mad of course like i wanted the bucks to beat them cuz i like the raptors or i'm sorry i like the warriors and the bucks and i've liked the bucks since 2010 so please don't call me a bandwagoner but like if ha- if the raptors have been playing any other team in the east but the bucks i wouldn't want the raptors to win cuz i like the raptors like their whole vibe and i like their uniforms and i like their um you know their players their coach is whatever. Um, I don't really care about the coach that much. Not that he's a bad person. He just doesn't interest me like that. But I like the players, you know, Ibaka, Siakam, um, Kawhi, um, Marc Gasol. Um, I like them. And I like the concept of Toronto. I've never been to Canada. But I like the concept of a lot of cities in Canada. How about that? And also, all the hot Indian girls on Twitter and on Instagram, are rooting for the Raptors. And I'm, it's taking my strongest willpower not to click like on those photos. Um, but anyway, there's another thing about the Raptors that we need to talk about. And it's the superfan Nav Bhatia. I don't have a problem with him in particular. But there was a thread on Twitter, and people have already talked about this, but there was a thread on Twitter about Nav, He's like a super fan of Toronto. He goes to every Raptors game. He has Raptors jerseys, all that stuff. And they were saying that he came to Canada with not that much. He wanted to be an engineer. He couldn't because he was foreign, essentially. Basically, racism blocked him from being an engineer. He becomes a car salesman, sells cars greatly. The best car salesman in Canada, right? Gets rich, buys season tickets, becomes a super fan, And then the thread goes on to take shots at America, saying that because Toronto is diverse, places in American cities aren't diverse also. And Toronto is diverse. I'll give it that. And Milwaukee has its issues. Um, I like the concept of Milwaukee. I've never been there. But there is you no know, segregation issues and redlining issues. As there is in Toronto... And in other places as well. Um, That's just history. There's lots of, you know, redlining issues throughout North America. But to take a shot at America saying that Toronto will have a black guy and a Korean guy eating with each other, which is what the thread actually says, and saying that that doesn't exist in America or that it would be weird in other cities across the world is absolutely false And the thread painted Toronto as some anti-racist haven, even though there's definitely racism in Canada and Toronto, and painting America as a, a racist hellhole, there is racism in America. I don't think most people would doubt that, but to say that we're somehow head and shoulders above you when you're not and that America doesn't have diversity is not true. And it just seems like you've never been to very many American cities. Because in the Bay Area, where I reside, we definitely have a lot of that. So we have a lot of diversity. Of course, we have gentrification issues also, but we have a lot of diversity here. But even with the diversity, there's still racism. So I don't buy that. And it was just, it felt very um, hypocritical to me. Because you start off the the thread of Twitter of tweets by saying that Canada is racist and that's why Nav couldn't be an engineer, and then by the end of it, it praises Canada for not being racist, which is ridiculous. (laughs) Um, and I don't blame people for finding you know heartwarming elements because on the surface it is heartwarming. Excuse me, but when you go deeper into the thread and like read like for a second, it's like wait. These are unnecessary shots being fired at America. And also, something I didn't know. Because the Toronto Raptors, as an organization, are the same age as me, roughly. I didn't know that people didn't like the name Raptors. I think Raptors is a cool name. And I didn't think that people didn't like their old logo, because their original logo had like a dinosaur with a basketball. And I thought that we all thought the dinosaurs were cool. But I guess some people... Don't like dinosaurs or don't like the name Raptors. That's something I learned. Um, But yeah, that's basically what I had to say about that. And the last thing I have to say is Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant and The Rock and the Lakers. If you don't know who Rob Palenka is, he's like the general manager type person of the Los Angeles Lakers. And he used to be Kobe Bryant's agent. And he made up a story about Kobe Bryant meeting Heath Ledger on a date where Heath Ledger would have been dead. So it was impossible for Kobe to meet Heath Ledger the way Rob describes. And there's no reason to lie like that, which leads me to believe that Rob Pulinka, who looks like Rob Lowe, is just someone who lies for fun all the time. He's just a lying ass dude, like someone who just makes up stories. Um, but that's not my main issue. My main issue is... There's video of him telling that lie to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I don't know about you, but telling a, a lie, a bold-faced lie to The Rock should be a felony. Like, you should never lie to The Rock. What did The Rock do to deserve being lied to? All The Rock does is inspire people and lift weights and act and fight people in movies. He, why would you lie to The Rock? That should be a felony and I'm offended Rob Polinka should lose his job just for lying to The Rock. You can't lie to The Rock. The Rock smells what you are cooking. How can you lie to Dwayne The Rock Johnson? That just pissed me off. I'm sorry. But anyway, the last segment is also about sports. Because we're reviewing a podcast. And that's what this podcast is. I talk about shit and then I review a podcast. And then I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I want to get more into hockey. I live in the Bay Area. San Jose Sharks are my team locally, although where I live is like an hour and a half from San Jose. Like, here's the crazy shit. Uh, Given the proper circumstances, I could drive to Oakland, take a flight and get to L.A. faster than driving directly to San Jose. That's the crazy shit, <laughs> um, depending on like traffic and stuff. But San Jose is, was, is my local team. They lost to the St. Louis Blues, right? And I was like, I'll get in more into hockey next year, but I decided to get into hockey this year. And side note, the best logos and uniforms in sports are in hockey. Hockey has the coolest logos, like maybe not hockey uniforms per se, but like a hockey like jersey or something. It's pretty cool. And I think the St. Louis Blues, who the Sharks lost to, have great uniforms, great logo. But they lost to the Blues, which is typical for, you know, the Sharks. Like, we always lose in the playoffs. Always. I say we like I'm a diehard hockey fan. Um, But when I hear people talk about hockey, like, they're really into it and I like it. I'm just not that big into hockey. So I decided to listen to hockey podcasts. Um, It's ESPN on Ice with Emily Kaplan and um, Wischewski. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, I think his name is Greg Wischewski on ESPN. They're like national hockey writers and reporters. Um, Emily Kaplan recently has been on Around the Horn, and her knowledge of hockey is like laser focus. And I listened to it, and it's kind of radio-y. Like they have the two hosts, Kaplan and Wischewski, you know, they have the little intro song, which is cute. Um, they talk about hockey. And right now, during the Stanley Cup finals, they're doing, like, game recaps. And they have segments where, like, people call in or they go interview people within the podcast. It feels very radio-y. But it's a podcast. And it's actually very good. It's very laid back. Like, I expect, like, a ESPN podcast or other podcasts to be very serious. The hockey podcast, laid back. It's very laid back. It's very relaxed. They're just, you know, shooting the shit about hockey and then giving interviews to other hockey reporters. A lot of Canadians, um, Finland people were on the podcast recently. Finnish people, I'm sorry, Finns. Um, And it was just a very laid back thing about hockey. And I realized like the way I need to get into hockey is to absorb the lingo. Like, they're talking about, like, you know, heavy teams, and from what I can gather, heavy teams mean the teams that punch people more than other teams, and, you know, talking about, like, the first line or the fourth line, like, I don't know exactly what all those things means, but when it comes to, like, talking about hockey, like, I enjoy the conversation because it's a nice, relaxed conversation with other, like, interview segments or phone calls peppered in, and, you know, I like it. It's really good, um... Again, this is coming from someone who doesn't know a whole lot about hockey as I do about other sports, but I think that if you are trying to get into hockey and you need something more relaxed and laid back, try ESPN on ice. I think it's really good. I give it like seven and a half out of 10 stars um, because it's just, I can't give it five, 10 stars because I'm not a hockey expert. From what, what I heard, like the interview segments that had like people like Beaumont Jones, people Like they have reporters from Finland, reporters from Canada, hockey writers come in and then just talk about their experience, talk about the experience of them going to games because they're reporters. They have to go to different hockey games and different hockey arenas and they have insights into the players. So it's really good, but also really relaxed and laid back and then talk about like shit they do on the road and like food they eat on the road and all that stuff. It's really good. I can't say more. I can't gush more about it. Um, but yeah, I give it 7.5 out of 10. And just to be clear, when I rate things, if I give them like above a seven, that's like basically rating them five stars. If they're below a seven, if they're like five to six, probably four stars. And then anything else is like one star. Who gets three stars on a podcast? No, give five, four or one. But anyway, that's all. Thank you for listening. If you did all the way through, um, please be safe. Love you. That's the end of the podcast. Goodbye.